Kia ora everyone, welcome to the Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. Today we are speaking with Leah, whose first son was born at term and was diagnosed at birth with a swallowing condition, so his esophagus was not um, attached to his stomach, so basically the stomach connected to the lungs and his mouth didn't connect to anything. Uh, And after he was diagnosed with that, they ended up being flown from Nelson to Wellington. He had to have surgery. It was a real whirlwind for Leah and her partner. Um, And then it turned out he was later on diagnosed with Vactral Syndrome. So basically it's something is wrong from your head to your toes and and every, every part of the body kind of thing. So yeah, they had a real really rough start but he's doing quite well now um she's since had two other babies and two other pregnancies her second birth she said was really healing and really wonderful and then her third birth wasn't so great again but managed to avoid NICU at least um so yeah I'll let her explain everything they went through and I hope you enjoy um my name's Leah and I have a husband Sean and we have two boys and a girl they're four two and seven months um my husband and I met on a Disney cruise uh we worked for crew as a year before I found out I was pregnant when I was home on vacation with my now four-year-old and he was my NICU baby so were your other two full term yes they were all full-term babies right right so do you want to start off telling us about um your first pregnancy with your firstborn and how you ended up being in NICU with him yeah, um, my first pregnancy was pretty rough. I had HG, um, and I then at 14 see. weeks, I had a dystonic reaction um, to some anti-nausea meds, and I thought I was going to lose the baby from that. So dystonic reaction is where your eyes roll in the back of your head, and so you can't see, um, you can't talk, and you can still breathe, but you can't pretty much can't do anything for yourself, and yeah, not it's not very nice. <laughs> um, and I, he was full term. Um, so he ended up in the NICU because he had a swallowing, um, condition. So was that diagnosed prior to birth? No. So it was diagnosed after birth because of the way he was born. Um, he went to special care and they, needed to put an NG tube down because his stomach was so distended and when they tried to put an NG tube down it didn't go down they took about 30 minutes they tried and the doctor came and told me they were going to x-ray to see what the issue was and um, he said there's this really rare condition where the food pipe isn't connected to anything but I really highly doubt it's super rare and 10 minutes later, that was the nightmare that they just established just said that there was no connection between his mouth and his stomach. So, wow. <laughs> and what that was they, pretty much the madness from then. What do they do about that? Obviously, do they have like surgery to correct it? Yeah. So, um, he had surgery at two days old. So, we were quickly went from there's nothing wrong to we need to get you to Wellington now you know he needs the surgery and basically said that they will organize the life flight as soon as possible and they were like okay we'll be within an hour 
and he'll probably have to go alone because I was only maybe 12 hours post birth and they said they can't allow you on a flight until you're 24 hours post birth yeah um but luckily for me a storm rolled in and he was stable enough that they said well let's wait till the morning so I got to go yeah (laughs) um and yeah just flew in from what like Nelson into Wellington and was met with about 30 doctors around us and just forms and procedures just started straight away I don't, that whole day was it's pretty much a big blur because we walked off the plane and just everybody was there waiting for us <laughs> and he went into surgery at two o'clock that afternoon um, to connect it so it was from his stomach up was connected to his uh, lungs and from his mouth down there was no connection so they needed to connected all together basically it was connected to the wrong thing yes it was all very mixed up can they can they uh diagnose that like in utero is that something they can pick up um so it very rarely is picked up in utero but can be if you're carrying a lot of fluid um because the baby will normally a baby would swallow their fluid and pee out but if you've got no ability to swallow he wasn't swallowing his own fluid right um so I did have a lot of fluid but it wasn't picked up and I had extra scans as well so I had growth scans all the way through um and he never showed signs of too much fluid you know it was on the higher side but you know if you had too much fluid that's when they'd probably more likely pick it up yeah, wow, crazy. Yeah, uh, it was crazy. <laughs> do you want to just go back and talk through your birth with him and how everything went yeah. and how it came about getting diagnosed for him? Um, So his birth was, I was probably a week in pre-labor and then about 24 hours in labor all up. Um, And at about the 10-hour mark, they decided that he was sunny side up and was basically gonna take ages to come out and yeah. um, they suggested I get an epidural and I so I agreed I said yep yeah, let's do that you know let's I was in a lot of pain mm-hmm. um but upon the epidural people coming down said no that's not an option for you you've got a birthmark that covers my whole spine um and they weren't willing to mess with where the blood vessels were so that was basically <laughs> my world just came crashing down in labor <laughs> They're like, okay, you can have it. And you're like, oh, thank God. And then they're yeah. like, no, you can't. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like, Yeah. And that was like, no, you can't. And so I just had to keep pushing through and ended up with a Von Tuss birth, which they said they would never usually do without an epidural. Yeah. So that was super painful. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and he came out with meconium and that was, he was literally just whisked away. And I was so devastated because I didn't know the gender of the baby when he was born and that was put was told to lots of people but because it all happened so fast the doctor just said oh he's born and I didn't get that precious moment that I had longed for with the baby and so it was all just kind of ruined (laughs) and I didn't get a cuddle straight after birth because he was in respiratory stress so he's taken straight from me to the table and then taken straight into special care and it was about two and a half hours later they took me to see him when they finally got him all sorted yeah and yeah that's how the ng tube they put they said they said that night they had put one in 
um, but he pulled it out. And so they didn't want to try again until the morning. But turns out that first one probably wasn't even in. Yeah. Actually, yeah. to begin with. So, oh gosh. A good choice that he pulled it out. <laughs> How did they, did they kind of like spring it on you? Or was it, because obviously it's yeah. very uncommon, right? Like you said. It was very rare. So it was very, we were just in our like postpartum room getting ready for the morning to go and see him. And, they just said he'd pulled the tube out. They were going to try to put another one in to come back in an hour, you know, once they've sorted that out. Um, but he came back maybe 30 minutes later, the doctor, and said, you know, they just need to test. It could be this, but it's so rare that he was so confident that it wasn't that. Mm. It wasn't the swallowing condition. But it must have been like 10 minutes later, he came back and just said, it's that, you know, like this, this is the condition. and. I just remember breaking down thinking what the heck has just happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've literally just had a baby. I've not even seen the baby. Plus, you know, I saw him that night, but I was so tired and so out of it. I don't really remember. <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. they're like, hey, your baby's got this problem and this. Yeah. We've got to do this and that. And you're like, I haven't even named him. Like- no, there was no, there was no nothing. I, and they said from this point onwards, no one can pick him up. No one, he has to stay on his stomach on a downward angle so that his saliva because he would choke on his saliva otherwise and so he had a big tube coming out I didn't even think of that like it's obviously not just eating it's no it's everything had to be drained out so that he didn't choke and had nowhere to go basically yeah and so I didn't even I maybe had like a five minute cuddle that night (laughs) But other than that, no one was allowed to hold him. And my sister had flown all the way from Australia to meet him and she wasn't allowed to hold him. No one was really upsetting and we just kind of left, you know, like yeah. we just got on that plane. With I got I didn't even have a hospital bag because I had originally thought I wouldn't spend any time in hospital. Mm. And we just left with what was on our backs, the clothes on our backs mm. and made it work basically. Yeah. Yeah, they told you, had they like kind of talked through the seriousness of his condition or were they just kind of like, this is what he's got and this is what we have to do and we have to go now? Basically, this this is what he's got, this is what we've got to do. They'll tell you more when you get to Wellington, which wasn't the case because they were just more interested in let's get this fixed and let's get him because it was just all happened so fast and like it was literally consent form after consent form and let's do this test let's do this test they had to check his heart to make sure he was okay to go into the surgery then they found out there was something wrong with his heart so then it triggered the next lot of tests and but yeah it all they fixed it but the surgery was really really long and during the surgery they just said oh we'll just take you over to Ronald McDonald get you settled in there but we didn't have anything to be settled with. And I felt really uneasy about leaving the hospital and waiting. It was probably about nine hours or so that we waited for the phone call. Mm. And we ended up going back to the hospital and asking them like, when is this phone call going to happen? Like, what is going on with our baby? Like, what are you even doing? Cause I think your brain doesn't really have time. They might tell you once, but to process all of that information so fast, I don't really remember what they said you didn't really know what was happening like you no. didn't have the full grasp of the situation it was just like the the bones of it and you're supposed to just 
be okay with that when you're two day olds going into a surgery for 10 hours you just be okay with what they're doing because apparently it's what he needs and he needs it right now and looking back I don't know why they were so fast because obviously he was quite stable you know they'd waited that night you know the storm was there they didn't want to bring him in that night but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how this full series <laughs> of it was. I always think that. I'm like, man, why don't they just do it like this? Like, I've watched Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why didn't you wait? Like, why didn't you give me, why did it happen so fast from when we got off that plane? You know, why did it all have to happen straight away? But yeah. they obviously had a plan on what they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he and came out covered in all of those like? tubes. So. Was... What was it like after he came out of surgery and you got to? Um, so he came out they hadn't really prepped us for how he was going to be when he came out. I just assumed he'd come out kind of looking like a baby, I suppose, you know, but he came, he was still on the breathing tube. They said they had to keep him sedated and he was in that incubator and they couldn't, we couldn't move him. We couldn't feed him. He had to stay like that for a week. Yeah like pretty much sedated so that he didn't move because they were so worried that any movement might tear the esophagus again and so that was really heart-wrenching like oh Mm -hmm. so for even the first like two days we didn't even get told we could put our hands in the incubator our welcome process to the NICU was not the best Mm -hmm. like there was a lot that was missed because it all happened so fast yeah most of the nurses just assumed we'd already been shown around the unit which we didn't get shown around told we could open the hatches and put our hands in and that all didn't really happen until like two days <laughs> later like they were focused on him rather than yeah making sure that you and your partner were that we yeah, knew what was happening and hmm. how we were going to proceed for the next however long we didn't even know how long we were going to be there yeah no idea kind of what the plan was after the surgery and then where the day after the surgery the doctors all went on strike and so we didn't see a single doctor that whole time we were in the NICU we just saw the nurse practitioner yeah and she just kept saying you know she was liaising with the doctors and all of that but yeah no doctor input (laughs) no nothing just left to our own devices pretty much Mm. and I sat on that unit from 7 30 in the morning to 10 p.m at night because I was not leaving mm. this side mm. I especially felt like all the other babies around us were all like prem and they you know they needed a lot of attention but he was a full-term baby he was massive compared to the babies mm. that were next to us and he was tiny but you know he looked so huge and because he wasn't being fed I worried that he wouldn't get attention yeah. which I probably looking back probably wasn't true he had so many other things going on so many other tubes and meds and all of that but I worried that they were still getting fed every hour that he just wouldn't get any attention so I yeah yeah sat up there for hours doing just looking in the incubator did you tell the nurses that you were feeling this way no they all seemed so busy around us that it was just it was really hard to talk to the nurses they were all really really busy because of the obviously the doctors not being there I felt like they were doing a lot more than they probably normally would yeah and we were in that high that first room there was like the step down from like the micro babies and then there was us and the looks we kind of got from other parents being us because we had a full-term baby was 
like why are you kind of here you know yeah yeah we felt like a little bit out of place like you know our baby's not prem but obviously he had a big condition so yeah I've had a few other mums that have felt the same like their babies have been full term and ended up in the unit and they feel like wrong for being there and I think it's just such a common misconception that every baby in the NICU is prem like before I had prem babies I was like like why else would they be in there I didn't even think of like you know heart conditions or respiratory distress or things like the your son's diagnosis it's just yeah it's very you think NICU you think prem you think prem yeah Mm. yeah and so that was really hard to just know that he needed to be there as much as those other babies did and yeah that was the biggest thing and the nurses you know that they would pay just as much attention to our baby as they were their babies but yeah yeah um did he have any setbacks or anything after his surgery um no and they started off they had to start feeding him really slow and so for a while there he was being tubed but stuck at five mils yeah and he couldn't really progress from that and I thought well you know five mils every hour how is that ever sustainable for a baby yeah yeah you know he's on he was on TPN and so he was you know he's getting his nutrition that way and I thought we are in for such a long time if we're five mils every hour and he was on that for about three or four days before they increased it but he was so crabby because he was getting five mils and he wanted more milk yeah because he's a full-term baby he's a full-term baby and he wanted he wanted his milk and he wasn't allowed it and he was a you know awake at that point but still we still weren't really allowed to move him too much I did get my first cuddle at a week old oh. that was really special that they finally said I could hold him and yeah. all of that which was really nice but he still had all the tubes and he was off the ventilator at least, but he still had loads of other stuff on him. Yeah. <laughs> How long did he end up staying in the unit for? Uh, he was in the unit for two weeks total. Um, and then we got to come home. I managed to successfully breastfeed him from day 13, which was really nice because mm. they had told me at the beginning that it was very unlikely I would breastfeed. Yeah. Um, and that was like, one of the things in pregnancy that I so badly wanted to do yeah. was breastfeed because yeah. I thought it would be so much easier. Everyone had told me that, you know, you might want to bottle feed. And I was so against, like super against bottles. And so when we were in the unit, they said, oh, we could try them on bottles. And I was like, do we do we have to? Like, can we just skip that part? Mm. And I we went, one nurse was really good. She advocated for us to be able to breastfeed and she was amazing because if it wasn't for her, we would have been pushed into bottle feeding. And, you know, I had, I had more than enough milk mm. to bottle feed, but I was so against it. And so yeah. day 13, we breastfed and he thrived from that moment onwards. Like, And so that prompted a fast discharge at day 14, which was really nice because they had told us maybe another week yeah. or so. Did you, did you get discharged straight from Wellington or did you get yes. We got discharged straight from Wellington. Um, they said, Let, we'll fly you back to Nelson and we'll just bypass the unit. Um, for the We spent the day there just to make sure that he was still all good after the flight. And then we got to go home that 
evening, which was so good. <laughs> it was bang on two weeks old, so yeah. it was really good. Did he have any, like, did he have to have any further surgeries or anything for his swallowing? Yeah, so he didn't have any surgeries as such, but they, we had to keep an eye on. Um, his esophagus doesn't have the muscles that ours does now, um, and where the scar tissue is, it could always narrow yeah um so they just had to keep an eye on the narrowing um side of it and he has had three additional surgeries since the NICU time um related to his swallowing yeah so related to his swallowing he had two incidents where he got a piece of sausage stuck in his throat and so his esophagus is obviously a lot narrower than yeah it's a lot narrower than ours he can't have chewy meats or anything like that he's just you know he's four he's pretty good now telling you what he can and can't eat yeah um and then he just recently had spinal surgery in October actually and he's done amazing from that you wouldn't even know anything was wrong now he's been running around like crazy was that related to his swallowing as well yeah so he overall has a condition called Bacterial you probably heard it before yeah. <laughs> um so it means from his head to his toes there's something wrong with every like part so he's missing ribs he's got a heart condition um he had the swallowing and then the spine so and the spine was picked up in the NICU um he had a fatty they called it a fatty something on the end of a spinal cord and they said we'll just need to watch that that doesn't grow and at three years old they did an MRI and decided that yeah it had grown and they were going to remove it which is what he just had in October to remove that um because if you leave it it the fattiness on your is on your nerves and by eight years old he would probably be incontinent or have no you know tingly legs and things like that so There's one part of the NICU that I really liked is that they, when he didn't, they didn't just focus on the one condition. They did a full body check to head to toe to make sure there was yeah. nothing else. Yeah. And that was when that was picked up. So, you know, if he didn't have the swallowing condition, he might, you know, some people might have that and never have had it picked up. Yeah. As a baby. So. Is it genetic or is it just a random? They said it was random. So they said it happens. Your esophagus develops in the first uh, I think three or four weeks they said in in your womb and so they said it was before I was even know I was pregnant that this condition had evolved yeah <laughs> so, so it wasn't that we had genetic testing done and yeah just totally random and they told us that there was no risk of any other kids having it oh so that would have been such a relief for you that we could have more kids and it wouldn't wouldn't be an issue yeah yeah which was nice yeah how how were your um subsequent pregnancies did you have hg again yep i've had hg and both my other pregnancies Mm -hmm. um my second pregnancy was better um because obviously i knew going into it i was going to be really sick so prepared for that and my now husband was around for my whole pregnancy whereas he wasn't for my first yeah um so being able to have that home support was really helpful. Yeah, especially when you've got a toddler. When Yeah, especially when you've got a toddler. And I went into it knowing we tried a bunch of medications right from the beginning. So rather than 
getting to that point where you're throwing up all the time and you can't come back from that yeah we established at the beginning but then in my third pregnancy I took the same medications which I don't know what happened but I had the same dystonic reaction but I this this time had it nine times oh my god before they decided that it was the medication um the doctors had decided that I was having anxiety attacks and yeah, awesome. making it up it's gotta be it's either when you go in as a woman it's either you're anxious or you need to lose weight yes or it's your <laughs> those lines in the, yeah so nine times <gasps> God, how scary it. for you yeah so my I went from having a NICU baby and traumatic birth to having my healing birth which was amazing he was it was really good with him I had my natural birth knowing going into it knowing I couldn't have an epidural changed my whole mindset yeah you're prepared for that I was prepared for that I was ready to have you know he was he was such a good baby he came out I had my stuff had my cuddles but then going to have my third and it being another traumatic birth almost erased that yeah that middle birth and so it was really hard my third she got stuck as well and she came out and they took her again and it was just like honestly like a big flashback of I thought we were in for another round of yeah especially knowing what it should be like with your second yeah they have to go through that again obviously with your first you're like ignorant almost eh? like you just have no naive idea. is probably a better word than ignorant you're just like <laughs> okay like they're gonna take them away and have a look but then you have your second and you're like oh my god they don't ever have to like come off my chest yeah they just they just get to stay like yeah. it was yeah. it was really good yeah well, that would have been so hard to have to go through that again, but at least you missed out on Nico again. Like, yes, I didn't didn't have to go to Nico, and she they managed to. My midwife really advocated and said, "Let's keep her in the room. She's doing all right with the breathing." And eventually, about an hour later, she came right. You know, yeah, as they do quite often. Yeah. <laughs> so rather than rushing them straight off, yeah. But everyone's doing well now. Your son is. Yeah, they're all doing really good now. Yeah, I've got all, a, all this quirks. <laughs> yes, I've got a very busy four-year-old and a very busy two-year-old. My seven-month-old now, so she's doing amazing. You do have a busy household. <laughs> Just a little bit. Mine, mine. so I've got the twins. They're three and a half, and then Angus is 15 months or 16 months or something. I can't do maths. Wow. <laughs> but it's like, at least that's only two ages. You've got three very different ages. <laughs> yeah no definitely four-year-old two boys and a girl they're kind of a little bit different yeah it's it's a crazy house sometimes (laughs) relatable but yeah I'm so everyone's good and I'm glad that you're doing well and that you did get your your birth that didn't end up in NICU even if it was a little bit shit at the end yeah yeah so yeah that was Leah's story with her um eldest son and everything that they went through after he was born. I've, I've never heard of any of those conditions before. So it was really interesting. I wrote down a lot <laughs> to like look up later because it interested me. But they've obviously been through a lot. Um, but glad to see he's on the mend. My husband's just walked in with a big old bowl of nachos. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I hope you enjoyed and we will chat again soon. Bye.